the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, and yes! Touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in. Joining us here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 106.9thefan.com. Also, the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Um, a lot of different ways to, to get us. Just don't go to the evil tune-in. They've been messed up. I know we've had some people trying to still work on it, but uh, just go straight to the source. That'd be easier. Just get out of the habit of using TuneIn. We have an app. Yeah. I use the app. Not, not, I don't really use it to listen to the show. Cause. Or if you're at your desktop, just pull <laughs> up the website. You also listen to uh, past episodes, bonus audio from press conferences, interviews that we've done. It's all there on our podcast feed. Uh, a couple different things we're going to get through today here on the Full Court Press. And as always, love to hear from you and have you participate in the show. But uh, spending a little bit more time on Air Force. Who are they? What have they looked like so far this year? What kind of challenges do they pose? And you know, where is this Utah State football team uh, in you know preparing for a, a tough challenge with Air Force? Considering some recent history between the two teams, where Utah State's at now with their progression. Uh, we're also going to take a look at the Utah Jazz. They've got another preseason game tonight, taking on the Portland Trailblazers in Portland. But um, you know, some early observations after one preseason game, comments from Coach Will Hardy, and a stat that blew our minds and our player of the week. It's all on tap today. Uh, but uh, certainly if you've got something that is on your mind that you want to share, uh, we always... We'll pivot to address those questions that come through on our full court press text line 435-339-0321 for those who want to text in. Uh, 5451, will Logan Bonner play against Air Force? Uh, no. 5451, maybe you've been out of the area or disconnected, but Logan Bonner is done for the year. He, or he's being sarcastic yeah. really heavily. Maybe. I don't know. It's the first text we've got from 5451, so it's hard to know. But no, Logan Bonner will not be available. And, and look, he didn't – did he – I know that Peasley played the majority of the game. Did he play the full game against Air Force last year? Peasley? Peasley? No, they split early on, and then I think Bonner got banged up a little bit, ended up leaving. Peasley played the rest of the way toward the – more of the second half. Yeah, because I think Bonner got knocked out at some point in the second quarter. Took a really big hit, was taken off the field. Peasley finished the game. So I know Peasley finished the game and helped the Aggies win the game. I just, for some reason, I was uh, not remembering at what point did he enter the game. Yeah, I don't, yeah, they, they were 
he played like the second series. Those first few games, they were alternating. Bonner was technically the starter by virtue of going out there for the first series. They did it against Washington State. Bonner took over in the day against North uh, North Dakota. And then, I don't know if the Air Force game was the next game. Air Force was right after North Dakota. Okay, so in that game, they were still doing that. Bonner got got banged up. I, I can't remember if it was the second or third quarter. It was some point in that kind of middle third of the game. And then uh, Peasley finished. Played really well. I'm going back to look at old box scores, but uh, according to the ESPN, there were no Utah State passing yards or rushing yards. There was no receiving yards. There are a lot of defensive stats. Do they just delete all of the They're just stats? not available. They're usually available from like a year ago. I've gone back like 10 years on ESPN game logs and still found stuff. Yeah. It'd take a little longer to go into the stat broadcast. You have to find the play-by-play, which is <laughs> tricky to find. I'm amazed if they've gotten rid of yeah, the, it's just not there. The play-by-play. Bizarre. Must start looking it up too. <laughs> uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. Logan Bonner, third quarter, threw a, a 24-yard touchdown pass to Justin McGriff. Which got Utah State? Yeah, they did get rid of everything, trailing twenty-four to twenty. But then in that same quarter, there was another scoring pass from uh, Peasley to Terrell, Carson Terrell for five yards, for another touchdown pass. So at that point, Peasley was in the game. So midway through the third quarter, he, yeah, it must have been the third. In. Yeah, it must have been the third quarter. Yeah, because Bonner played at some point in the third quarter, and then Peasley took over. So some point between. 13:26 in the third quarter and 7:48. I believe that's when the takeover happened. 1678 texting in will Logan Bonner be the backup or is he third string now against Air Force asking for a friend? What what is going on here? People uh people <laughs> no, getting Logan. some attitude going here. <laughs> no. no, Logan Bonner. Bonner was healthy, he'd be starting. Ah. <laughs> but alas, he just had surgery. Successful surgery cuz it's always successful. It's always successful. And then, like, have you ever heard of an unsuccessful surgery immediately? O- following? Only like, yeah, never immediately falling. It's usually later. It's like, oh, the surgery didn't go as well as expected. It's like, uh, at the time, you said successful surgery. Thank you very much. Yeah, what are we doing? Going back in under the knife one more time? So we screwed up the first time. We screwed up our first successful surgery. Ah, uh, weird. Um. Look, there's, there was a lot of stuff from yesterday that we didn't get to from Coach Blake Anderson and some of the players. Uh, the Coach Troy Calhoun audio dropped right before we came on. So because of time, I wasn't able to go through it and prepare it. So we'll have it for tomorrow. Did you find that one cut? I found a juicy one from last year that <laughs> is worth recycling over and over again. That was from last year? I thought it was like from years ago and you kept bringing it up. Uh, well, let's see. When did they... I thought... It maybe was from two years ago. Because I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that clip on this show, listening to this show a year ago. Oh, we played it a lot yeah. a year ago. But, you know, it's 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 appropriate that it happens in the month of October. <laughs> One of my favorite Troy Calhoun sound bites of all time. Either you're a thief though. and you steal... 
or you're a vampire that pulls from the juice and the verve and the synergy of the group, or you add to it. <laughs> what is he even talking about? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Is he like talking about players being like bloodsuckers on the program? Like that's. It feels like the context is like you're you're either adding to it or you're being a vampire and sucking the juices and or you're a vampire that pulls from the juice. <laughs> that just sounds so disgusting. Pulls from the juice. Pulls from the juice. Like taking a long draw out of one of those apple juice containers. Nice long pull. Yes, I wanted to hear that. <laughs> so did all of our listeners. I had to hear that wearing headphones. It is so bizarre. I- I'm just, I haven't listened to his full audio today, but I'm just oh, I'm hoping that he has some more nuggets. Because he says the most random, weird crap. Than I've heard from any college coach, like on a consistent basis. Now, maybe that's not. Hold on, I gotta walk that back. Mike Leach takes the cake. Yeah, well, there's another. But coach. Troy Calhoun's on a, on, a, on a similar level. There's another coach I've seen clips of. Maybe it's, they pop up on Twitter and probably Facebook every now and again. I think he coaches or coaches or did coach probably some like high school or like D three college, and he's he he off the rails. Like the two parts of the sentence don't make sense. It's like. Our defense played tougher than a $2 jellyfish or something like that. <laughs> Stuff of that level. What? I can't remember any of them off the top of my head, but it's just like they don't make sense, and they're absolutely hilarious. Maybe I should see if I can find them and we can play them. <laughs> if we get some weird ones from Calhoun, we'll, we'll play those, and then uh. some Mike Leach, and then this coach. Maybe we'll have a little contest. Like, which yeah. one's the weirdest? Uh, four four seven four. Of course, there are unsuccessful surgeries. People die all the time during routine surgeries. Yeah, luckily. Well, I shouldn't. Well, the, I should. the, the point is that anytime an athlete has to have a surgery, the report immediately following is he had a successful surgery. Yeah, because yeah, there are definitely unsuccessful surgeries. Some obviously result in the worst case scenario: the patient dies on the table. The more common unsuccessful surgery is, well, I didn't do it right. You know, if you're having an ankle surgery and you messed up reattaching some of the tendons or he left his iPod in your foot or something like that. But those are the more common unsuccessful surgeries. But, you know, according to, the, you know, when the agents, the agents are reporting it to, you know, Woj or whoever, you know, uh, NBA or NFL, they, they're making them say it was a, it was a successful surgery. Put that in there. I think Alex Smith may have a thing to say or two about, about successful, successful surgeries. Surgery. He had like 20 of them. I had a successful surgery. The next successful surgery is and another successful surgery to repair the previous successful surgery. Yeah. Except Which in his case, I think caused so, me to lose my leg. I think some of his surgeries, though, were the fact that it was just such a complicated, you know, they're reconstructing his leg. They're Frankensteining his leg, basically. So what about Air Force? Now, th- what about this team this year? Uh, this is a team that's, um, you know, they're really they're, they're the top team in the Mountain West. They've had the best season to date. Their one loss, honestly, kind of came out of nowhere. UNLV would like a word with you. Well, <laughs> they're right up there. But the the Falcons lost at Wyoming 17-14. to Kind of a bizarre game for them because they've – they pretty well dominated just about every other game. Now, Navy played them close, but those 
military academy games usually are played pretty close. And Navy's a solid program. But they beat Northern Iowa 48-17. to They beat Colorado 41-10. to Granted, Northern Iowa lower... You know, not not a great power yeah, school. Non-made, non-made Colorado's school. been a total disaster. They just fired their coach. They beat Nevada forty-eight to twenty. Nevada lost to an FCS program earlier this year. Yeah. So okay, you know, take their season for what it is. But they did lose to Wyoming, and they it was a low-scoring game, but did enough to get past Navy with actually uh, one of the biggest passing games of the year. But this is a team that can score a lot of points and makes it tough for their opponents to score on the other side. And really just looking at some of the trends, even in Utah State's, specifically Utah State's history with Air Force, uh, it sounds really dumb to say this out loud because it's kind of the case in every game, but it feels like more important when you're playing a team like Air Force. But it's you know keeping the ball away from Air Force and, and limiting their chances. Uh, was crunching some numbers when Utah State. So in their, when they've played them since joining the Mountain West, they played once in 1969, which that one was kind of weird because Air Force was a passing team back then. Apparently, <laughs> they threw the ball like 33 times in that game. Wow! But since joining the Mountain West, so you know, 2013, uh, when Utah State's held Air Force to to under 55 rushing attempts, so you know, lowering their overall play count, they're two and one. Um. Then they're aver- they're only allowing 21 points per game in those contests. I think the highest was like 27. Um, when they've allowed 55 or more rushing attempts to Air Force, then they're allowing 36 points per game, and they're two and four. And those two wins are 2018 and 2021, the two best offenses in Utah State history. <laughs> They so, were able to overcome yeah. a lot of that. So, you know, 49-45 last year, and then 42-32 in 2018. This Utah State team ain't winning in a shootout, or at least I'm not going to count it likely, unless some things change really quickly. So, yeah, I, I agree. This this team this year does not have that same firepower. They, they can't outscore. If it gets into a track meet, I don't know that they'll be able to keep up. Yeah, they just... You know, they can make a couple of big plays, but again, last year there were so many explosive plays. I think Tyler had a long run. I know Tompkins had like a 70-yard pass. One of Peasley's touchdown pass, or another one of Peasley's touchdown passes was like 50-something yards. Just from when I glanced at the, the box score we were looking at earlier. So, huge plays that helped Utah to actually overcome kind of a rough start for them. And yeah, this, this year's team ain't doing that. So, it's going to come down to being more like, uh, you know, those better defensive squads. Of course, the, those defensive squads, the ones that were holding Air Force to those low play counts and uh, low rushing totals, those had the Vigils, Jake Dowdy, you know, those guys. I don't know if we have those guys either, so I'm kind of worried now <laughs> that this isn't going to go so well because none of the the trends that have led to success in previous Air Force wins – are with this team now, except for the fact that it's at home and Utah State's had some success at home against Air Force. That's like the only trend left that bears some positivity here. Uh, interesting comments from Coach uh, Blake Anderson yesterday about that Air Force uh, team and how, uh, you know, kind of looking at 
this goes along with what you're saying, but he talks about it in a defensive scheme um, kind of sense. Um, how this is um, actually, I'm going to play this other one in in that th- there's a possibility of their a passing game from them. Uh, they haven't used it very much. They used it a lot more than they have all season against Navy. But uh, you always have to be careful of that and who they are and what they what they can do, because we know of them and think of them as a triple option team. But their passing attack can be somewhat dangerous. Their quarterback can throw the ball and throw it very effectively, and you you tend to um, you tend to be downhill and occupied with quarterback dive and pitch, and the next thing you know, they got a guy running right past you that can that and he can make all the throws. So. The discipline to be able to come off the triple and play the action and the drop back pass off of it is is critical to to keeping the score down. Um, you can stop, you know, dive quarterback pitch all you want to, but if you give up the post route or the or the seam wheel or the four verts off of it and it and it ends up in the end zone, then then you know they're going to light you up on the scoreboard. Yeah, the the emphasis is on containing the run and all the different wrinkles that they can throw at you to gain yards. But they, that secondary, they ha- absolutely have a role to play because everybody starts moving up to help out on the, on the run defense. And before you know it, you've, uh, you've been lulled into complacency where you're not getting involved in the action and all of a sudden, one of their wide receivers has slipped behind you, and you're you're hit with the play action pass for twenty plus yards. And that happens way too often against Utah State. I feel like, although here's actually the weird thing about you know talking about how Air Force can pass, and that's true. Um, two of their most prolific passing games in terms of how many times they throw, like their their top two games number of passing attempts, that was. The loss against Wyoming, that's when they threw the most, 14 times. Second most times they threw was eight against Navy, the one they barely won. I don't know what that means, but um, they did throw for 109 yards, which is actually the second most passing yards in a game. That one was against Northern Iowa. So I don't know what this trend means, but I just thought it was weird that their two most you know prolific passing games were the games they didn't do so well in? Yeah, if you can force them into a passing game, then you're you're, you're doing things right. Yeah, it probably means you force them into third and long a lot more often. Right, and what's interesting is that the as a team, they have 36 passing attempts all season. You know, Hazik Daniels, he's their starting quarterback. He's solid player, athlete. Doesn't throw the ball a lot. Cooper Lagarde, just for some context. He threw the ball 31 times just last Thursday. And I don't think you or I would say that was a big passing game from Cooper Lagaw on Thursday. So through five games, they've thrown the ball about as much as Cooper Lagaw did in one game. Tell you what, though, he averages 12.6 yards per attempt, which is like twice as much as the average. Yeah, that's just it. They they so run focused that when he does throw the ball, it's usually for big yards. Yeah, they're usually doing downfield. Yeah, so per completion, they're averaging twenty five yards per completion. 
because yeah, they they throw a little these twenty yard routes, or maybe fifteen yard routes, and then you've only got three pe- people in the secondary out there. Again, because a lot of times they'll you know if you're getting too focused on the triple option, you're having your corners getting down, or maybe ignoring their receiver to try and keep the contain, you know, on those option plays. And if your corners get distracted by the run game, then it's two safeties versus two wide receivers, and that can be a disaster. Uh, a couple more texts coming through, and uh, then we'll take a timeout here in the full court press. But 1678 texting in. Will CL5 wear the same leash that LB1 had? Uh, Loger, uh, Logan Bonner had a, uh, a long leash. Yeah. A, a very Lega. long, very short leash. Uh, will Cooper Lega have a similar long leash? I don't know. Um, yeah, Levi Williams may see some play, mostly in short yardage. They brought him in for one, at least one short yardage play. He did a little better than Cooper Lega did in some of those short yardage situations. And... Williams has a chance to do a little bit better when things go wrong. You know, he can maybe break a tackle in the backfield and push forward for one or two yards on third or fourth and short. That may be a thing, but Legault would have to play a pretty bad game for them to go to Williams. And I I don't think that's going to happen because if Legault didn't play that bad against BYU, he's probably not going to play that bad against Air Force. I think it really comes down to how well the offense can sustain drives because they really need to give the defense a break. That defense really needs time on the sidelines to gather themselves and prepare for the next series against Air Force. So the offense has to be able to sustain drives. Scoring points, right, if they come in in short bursts, that's nice. But the defense is going to need help by the offense staying on the field longer. Yeah. And with these two teams, these, you know, offense defense, and again, this this feels weird to say because it's obvious in every game. It's like 101. But they got to work together in that time of possession. Defense, you got to get off the field on your own accord. You can't be giving up these 10 play drives. Because against Air Force, that is just, it's wear and tear. And it's going to, again, if you're giving up 70, 80 plays to Air Force, that's what's been happening against Northern Iowa and Colorado and Nevada. Like, they're giving up 70 or 80 plays in those games, and it just wears them down the entire game. So you got to get off the field yourself, but then, just like you said, the offense got to put some long drives together, you know, two or three per half at least, ideally. Even if you don't score points or touchdowns on all of those, just get some drives going, take some time off the clock, keep the ball out of Air Force's hands, a lot like the first half against BYU. If they execute a game plan similar to what they did in the first half against BYU, ball possession, lots of running, but they still mixed in some good passing to sustain drives, that's an ideal way to beat Air Force. Uh, 8722, a little off topic here, but what did Ryan Day say at the Rutgers coach after the late hit? He said, would you like to go to dinner after this? (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't know some, exactly what he said. There are probably was, some choice four-letter words. Yeah, not not very friendly. And then the choice to uh, go for the fake after being up big. Pretty sure that's what led to that. Yeah, yeah. Not 
Not a lot of love lost between those two coaches. Can't imagine. I, I don't know what they said. You get a Nick Saban against uh, oh, I just spaced the text saying name coach. Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> That'll be nice. Well, we'll see this weekend. Uh, 8968. You have to remember Air Force is playing a really old team with the Aggies. <laughs> that's, that's right. That is one of the other great quotes from Troy Calhoun. They're just really old. <laughs> Which is such a tired, old, stupid excuse. Which has been borne out to be bunked so many different times, so many different ways. But whatever, Coach Calhoun. I don't know why he's complaining about them being so old. You do you. What was his thing? Like that he couldn't have teams that were that old? Yeah. Oh, he's always whining about how everybody has advantages over him. Yeah, you you coached at an Air Force at the Air Force Academy. <laughs> you chose no to be di- there. No dip, Sherlock. Go I mean, somewhere else. Go run the triple either option. You're a thief and you steal, <laughs> or you're a vampire that pulls from the juice and the verve and the synergy of the group, or you add to it. Go coach at Colorado State if you're tired of having disadvantages. Well, he could stop. be the next coach at uh, Colorado. Stop being, stop being a vampire and leeching off the U.S. government. Or you're a vampire that pulls from the juice. And- Troy Calhoun is a vampire of the Mountain West. <laughs> All right, more about Utah State and Air Force coming up. Uh, love to continue to get your texts coming through. 435-339-0321. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Northern Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. DD Auto and Salvage is going to pay you the most for junk vehicles. You can get rid of your junk vehicles today. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. Join us at Prodigy Brewing to celebrate Oktoberfest. Delicious specials going on now through the end of October. Come on down and enjoy brats and German potato salad served with our house-made sauerkraut and mustard. Tankards and house-brewed beer. You keep the tankard. Find us on Instagram for updates on new events throughout the month of October. Whether you're out with the family or friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley. Located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. 
The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Unfortunately, he missed, missed the rest of the game with a with a hamstring issue, and he is questionable as to whether or not he'll be, be back. Uh, I'm hoping he recovers quickly, but if you notice, he didn't go back out. The rest of the game, he uh, he tweaked the hamstring on that particular play. That's Blake Anderson talking about Brock Lane, the tight end for Utah State, who had a great play right down the middle for Utah State uh, in the passing game. But after that play, where he picked up, how many yards did he get on that? It was uh, it was a um, big play. Well, the thing is, it got called back for a, an eligible man downfield. So funny thing is, if you go back into the play-by-play, it says... Oh, that play didn't happen. Well, yeah, it says it says no play, but a lot of times they'll have that, but then they they say the yards and everything that happened, and then just, but penalty, so no play. BYU's uh, stat keepers, who were having a bit of a rough game, <laughs> thinks they're a little behind, which happens to Utah State as well. I'm not digging on BYU's guys. It just happens, but they were behind, and so they put zero yards. So I can't. So long story short, I can't tell you how many yards it was because it wasn't. I mean, I guess I could rewatch the play, but it was probably thirty to forty yards. Yeah, I think range. it was. I want to say it was like a thirty-yard play. Yeah. Um, somewhere in that range. Good, good play. Not the greatest throw. You know, Lagaz really working on his accuracy on those deep throws. Bonner had a really nice, accurate deep ball. Um, Lagaz working on that accuracy. So he still got it into Lane's catch radius, so he caught it, but he fell down. Yeah, and then he yeah pulled a hamstring. Yeah, which doesn't look like he will be available, as Coach said, this week. Which is too bad because we've just been the Aggies have just gotten him back from being injured, and we're starting to see him involved in the offense. (laughs) Told you you got to mute those sites. Where'd that come from? There we go. Probably ESPN again. Yeah, it's ESPN. (laughs) I <laughs> told you. Um, and Lane's interesting because he's probably the first, maybe the only receiver, or tight end, excuse me, that we've seen who's been a viable receiving threat. Against UNLV, he caught a few passes. They got him mixed in with the pass game. They ran a screen for him. Uh, he ran kind of an interesting uh, kind of backside route where Bonner kind of turned around suddenly and threw it off his back foot to, to Lane, and he caught it kind of against the grain of where the play was going. And then obviously against BYU catches the long ball, um, and they they'd been splitting him out as a wide receiver some, which is some interesting versatility, especially with the no huddle because you know Utah State they'll run their four wide receiver sets and they also have a three wide receiver set and the tight end will be either kind of lined up as a fullback he'll be kind of split between the guard and tackle, maybe shadowing the tackle or sometimes he'll be lined up on the offensive line. That's usually where he's at. He's on the line or kind of in the backfield. And then 
and when they go to the four wide receiver sets, they have they sub out the tight end, bring in a wide receiver. But with Lane, they were able to run both, and that allows them to run the no huddle. And if he can be a viable wide receiver in that that set, which he showed a little bit of that against BYU, or at least on that one play, you know that's what begins creating those matchup problems. Is where we we were talking about the versatility of tight ends. That's where it comes into play when you can use the no huddle and create matchup problems against the defense that you're forcing to stay out there because they can't sub or they risk you know getting a you know the illegal substitution penalties or whatever. Yeah, and coach talked about wanting to utilize tight ends more. Brock Lane gives it has shown that he gives that offense more versatility than maybe some of the other guys, but they have been used in the run game and I think a lot of people keep asking what about in the passing game? But here's what uh, coach Anderson had to say about utilizing his tight ends more. They're always a, a huge part of what we do in the run game, whether it be on the edge or, or when they pull on counter or insert on zone. And, you know, we, we always looking for ways to, to find matchups that, that benefit us with those guys. So I'd like to get them involved more. Uh, hopefully that's something that we can do. So they've said for about 27 years now that they're going to use the tight ends more. <laughs> Since the first day and, of fall camp yeah. when I met with Coach Tucker, Yep, we want to use those tight ends more. They're versatile, most important, versatile position on offense and how they can be used. And I will say this. They are straight up lying when they say that. I mean, it's just we're not seeing it. They are using the tight ends the way they want to because that's the personnel they have. Lane is actually probably the only guy I think who is someone who can actually be part of the passing game. Sturzer isn't. Ron, the Missouri State transfer, whose last name I can't pronounce, he's basically a fullback. Buchanan hasn't very, played very much, so that they bring in Ron. You, know, he's two hundred and seventy pound. You know, he outweighs the other tight ends by a good forty, fifty pounds. So he's basically a fullback, and they use their tight ends. You know, I brought this up after the UNLV game. Most of the pass plays, the tight end where they had a tight end, most of the plays he stayed in as a blocker, because that's just what they were doing, I guess. Like that may have been their game plan because they were worried about UNLV's pass rush. Of course, they didn't adjust until very late when they just stopped having a tight end because they realized UNLV was only rushing three the vast majority of passing plays. So the thing is, we can keep pounding this drum as fans and media about Utah State needs to use the tight end more. They don't have the tight ends to use except for Brock Lane, at least in terms of the passing game. Otherwise, we're going to keep seeing them used in the run game, and they're used decently in the run game. They've got a nice little split zone play. They use men's lead blockers, you know, pulling across the formation. That's fine. They're basically a fullback in some cases. But if you're talking about, oh, we need to use them in the pass game, use them in the pass game, they're not good enough. Personnel, just they're not there yet. Yeah. We'd all love, you know, we've talked over and over about the versatility and how amazing it is. We've played clips from the coaches saying how amazing it is to have a passing tight end. And if Brock Lane can stay healthy, he can kind of be that. And I'd love to see that. You know, I talked about using him in the different formations in the no hurry. That's a positive. But if he's not healthy, you know, it's Sturzer. And he's he's not going to do anything. Carson Trell, they had him last year. Carson Trell, not a very good receiving tight end. I think there were like four interceptions in his career that were his fault because they went off his hands and strained the hands of a linebacker. Like, no exaggeration. Three or four interceptions that yeah, were directly his stone fault. hands. 
but good blocker. So they used him like that, and that's how they're using the tight ends, as blockers, and they're effective in that sphere. Yes, we all want them as pass catchers, but we don't have the personnel to use our tight ends as pass catchers, again, with the one exception. Uh, let's see, eight zero eight four. Aggies offense needs to get a rhythm going early. That means slinging it on first and second down, not just third down. That'd be nice. Well, bottom line is I, I agree with the, the rhythm. Um, and getting in an offensive rhythm, which they started to do against BYU, which they've struggled with in the, many of their previous games, uh, de- depends greatly on how they do on those early downs. First down efficiency has been a real problem for the Aggies, and they were better against BYU. Does that mean that they should throw it every first down? No. Uh, but if you have an opportunity to gain three, four yards on first down on a short passing route, sure. But that's been something that defenses are not giving Utah State. They're daring the Aggies to run on them. And so that's what started to work for USU in that first half against BYU. Yeah. But then they made their adjustments. USU struggled to make theirs. The second half was very different. One thing they've done well with is they use the hitch routes, the curl routes, um, you know, five yards, stop, stop back, look at the quarterback, he throws it to you. They've run that all year, and it's been their most effective pass play. It's a pretty conservative one, and when defenses usually give up, um, but that's, you know, it can be a rhythm starter. And then you start countering. One of Utah State's kind of a little bit of bread and butter as far as a play, and then a counter to that is they have a hitch, and they have a hitch and go. And they've gotten some big plays off that little hitch and go. Because they run the hitches all game, and then suddenly they do the go, and the corner's not ready for it because he's trying to get to the curl route really fast. So I guess that's one way they can be aggressive, but I don't know. There's, there's, They don't run a whole lot of different routes. They run go routes, hitch routes, and dig routes, and that's like 90%. They don't really run too many slants. They don't run very many posts. They don't run many corner routes. Granted, corner routes can be really tricky for college quarterbacks to hit. Well, and the way that they line up, too, on those well, you, 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 so get, you, get the, you get the slot corner. Like a slot corner and a hitch route can be – but, again, that's it's a hard route for someone like Cooper Lagat to hit when he has, like, 50 career pass attempts. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 5662, good question here. Has it been announced if Hall's targeting call was overturned, or is it just YBU who gets all the love? So I reached out to the sports information people at Utah State before we came on the air to find out if that appeal went through. And the answer I received was, do you know if the appeal was successful or not? The answer I got, I do not know. (laughs) So, yeah, it's... Utah State's kind of getting hosed on this targeting, which it's not so much that I'm disagreeing with the call sometimes. It just It's too inconsistent, which that's the complaint with targeting, is that nobody knows what it is. BYU's guys getting off for, for the suspension. Utah State, for what was not an egregious targeting call, it wasn't even flagged by the officials who was booth-reviewed. So it's like, what the heck's going on? Like, that's the frustrating thing is that 
you know, when I look at it and I look, okay, what's what's targeting by the book? Okay, Gervin Hall committed targeting. But again, the, the example I kept bringing up was the one where Josh Sturzer got hit. Crown of the helmet to you know you to Sturzer. Yeah. And then your OV defensive player went clearly hit him in the head. Yeah. Helmet to helmet. And it's like there was no they, call. Yeah, they, they flagged it on the play for target and reviewed it and said no. And then I believe Tuli for BYU hit the uh hit the chin plate. Or not the no, not chin, the, the cheek plate of Oh, who did he? I think it was it was Tyler. The play that Tyler went down yeah. on. The BYU linebacker hit him, which was just like the target of everything else. He didn't even get flagged. They didn't review it. So it's just a dumb, inconsistent call. And it's not doing any positives anymore. It It's doing more harm by just causing grief for the players. And the refs look dumb and bad because they can't call it correctly. Yeah, there needs to be – I get – I'm totally for protecting the health and safety of players. But there needs to be some sliding scale. And I don't know that it needs to be very a bunch of different degrees here, but if you're clearly leading with your helmet and you clearly hit another guy like that's your you're diving right into him and you're spearing somebody, that's targeting. If there's an incidental, you're going for the tackle, but the offensive player lowers their helmet in a protective position and there's incidental contact that shouldn't have the same penalty as if somebody who's clearly coming after somebody else. Yeah. So and there's of, no differentiation. That's one of the things with uh, the, the BYU players that when he went in, he lowered his helmet, went in Gervin. It was his, it was shoulder to helmet, which is still targeting, but it's like the dangerous part is lowering your own helmet and hitting and hitting the guy. That's the dangerous thing. It's dangerous to yourself and it's dangerous to them. And so what targeting has it has accomplished something where players are much better nowadays at leading with their shoulder. Much, much safer. It's less harsh as far as a hit on yourself and on your target. And so it's done that good, but now it's not doing good anymore because it's been teaching people. you got to keep it around to, you know, so you, people don't just forget that and then go back to the way it was. Right. But, you know, I think that sliding scale where maybe if you say, okay, it was shoulder to helmet, maybe that's a less severe penalty, no suspension or something like that. Or And if you spear them, then, yeah, ejection. Like, teach them, do not lead with your helmet. You can get away with leading with your shoulder if you make a mishit, but... You know, those are just the problem is it's not going to change because there's not enough outcry. Yeah, so. it's just so inconsistent. That's what's frustrating. All uh, right, another quick timeout here in the full court press. Again, more time if you want to weigh in. We'll hear more from the coaches and the players about the matchups between Utah State and Air Force. Uh, we'll hear what they have to say about kind of the state of the Utah State football program and what's on the line this week with Air Force coming to town uh, in the different matchups that we see. Love to continue to get your thoughts and your reactions as well on our full court press text line 435-339-0321. Hey, the new Valvoline instant oil change across from Angie's on Main Street in Logan offers Valvoline synthetic and Valvoline Max Life oil, which are the engine oils that your vehicle loves. So go check them out. They're open seven days a week. 
at 695 North Main in Logan. Quick, clean, and easy, just how it should be when it comes to getting your oil changed. Home has a farm. An appliance farm. With damn home country prices and big city selection. E-I-E-I-O. When you're looking for a friendly spot to drive a little and save a lot, hey, Old S.E. Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. Couples throughout the state buy their rings from S.E. Needham Jewelers because of our low prices, extensive ring selection, and extraordinary benefits and services with financing available. Go to seneedham.com to learn more. We have many unique and beautiful engagement rings starting at $500. You'll find affordable engagement rings with our integrity price guarantee. This is why we are where Utah gets engaged. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block. At the sign of the clock. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10. is tasty and quick. Elements' lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m. Visit the elementsrestaurant.com for reservations today. You're first and goal at the 10-yard line with seconds left on the clock. Your running back is poised for the game-winning touchdown, but before you can make the snap, the opposing team just takes the ball and locks it in a safe, and they won't give you the combination unless you pay them $10,000. That's exactly how ransomware works. And in 2021, two out of every three organizations fell victim to ransomware attacks. Protect your business with Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. Join the show by calling 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. It's all about getting better as the weeks go on, and um, I can definitely see that that's what our defense is doing as coaches and players. Um, our coaches have really set us up with a really good game plan coming into this weekend. Um, it's all about us practicing hard and being able to execute when the game time comes. That's Hale Motuapuaka, defensive lineman for Utah State. Uh, getting ready for a really tough battle this Saturday, 5 o'clock on Merlin Olson Field. It'll be broadcast on FS1. Homecoming week for Utah State University. Uh, speaking of weird things from Coach Troy Calhoun, I, I remember one couple of years ago, I think this was the Matt Wells era, he was bitter. He was bitter. Now he's, He is a bitter man because he complains about a lot of weird stuff. But he was bitter that Air Force was the opponent for Utah State on their homecoming game. Because in his mind, you schedule a powder puff team for your homecoming to ensure you get a victory. And so he was upset that he was the that there was a message being sent to Air Force that they were Utah State's opponent for homecoming. 
wonder if he's going to say the same thing this year. <laughs> That's an old high school mindset. They don't do that in college. And they used to do it in college. Um, but now they don't do it as much anymore, especially. So old. Especially with, uh, you know, conference schedules being set. And even high school doesn't really do that as much anymore because they're not always controlling the exact scheduling. No. I mean, and, homecoming uh, anymore in high school, that's in your in region play at that yeah. point. Your fir- yeah, it's your first couple of games of region play, and if you're in Region 11, you lose your homecoming game anyway. Plus <laughs> <So laughs> your mountain There's crest. no guarantee of anything. So, yeah, that the, the homecoming playing a weak team is is an older tradition that we don't do anymore. 5-4, five, 5-1. But, but five, Troy Calhoun's an old man with old ideas. And <laughs> like I said, he's a vampire. <laughs> he's a vampire. He sucks. 5-4, five, 5-1. Five, uh, texting in, is Lagarde going to help or hurt our offense, and why don't we run Briggs instead of Tyler Jr.? I don't know. I heard it has something to do with pass blocking, Briggs being all of 5-6 while wearing his cleats may limit his pass blocking potential. But, I mean, I asked Coach after the BYU game, like, why didn't he, why didn't Briggs play more? He was the better running back. He was more effective. Yeah. Tyler ended up doing just fine. Yeah, Tyler ran for over 100 yards. Yeah, but Briggs, in his short stint, was very efficient, and he's speedy, and he he's able to add the element of running outside effectively and still run inside effectively because he's dang hard to tackle. I really like Briggs' field vision. Yeah. I, I think he sees the field and sees holes and opportunities better than Tyler Tyler is a, a bigger back. He certainly has more experience. But I, I think I think Tyler is still your starting running back, but Briggs has definitely eliminated Makakona and Wilmore from getting any touches because he's just he, he's outperforming those guys. Well the problem is, for one, Briggs should get more carries anyway. Because yes. we talked about early in the season where the coaches said, oh, we can't have one running back. we got to split it between multiple guys. Bull freaking honky. <laughs> that, is, that is the lie of the century. That was another lie I was Because they do not do that. In July. Calvin Tyler hogs all of the carries no matter what, even though Briggs has been the better running back this season. When I met with Anthony Tucker, he fed me that uh, we like our tight ends. we got to use them in multiple ways. And we really haven't seen that. And he also fed me, we're not going to be a one bell cow running back offense. Yeah. And Bull that's, crap. That's pretty much what we've seen. That is, it is full of crap. Yeah. It was weird. And I don't appreciate being lied to like that. Uh, all right. Another quick timeout here in the full court press. Uh, coming up, uh, Napa Auto Parts, they sponsor the Dan Patrick Above the Noise segment. Coming up uh, in about six or seven minutes from now. But Napa Auto Parts is a place to get antifreeze, fuel stabilizer, even a good time to stock up on your ice melt. Look, it's not that far away. And a lot of other great products. And uh, they've got five different locations between Preston and Providence at your locally owned Napa Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jackson with Mountain West Motor. 
We love the Cache Valley. Thank you for all of your support since we opened in February. Every one of our rigs is built for your adventure. We invite you to stop by at 615 North Main when thinking about a new rig. At Mountain West Motor, we have Ford Broncos, Ram TRXs, but also keep in mind we have great price point rigs starting at 20k. Check our website for current inventory and pricing at mwmotor.com. And for news and events, follow us on Instagram at mwmotor.co. Mountain West Motor, built for your adventure. Crystal Vision, the two-time gold medal winner in Best of Northern Utah, just got back from a Las Vegas buying show. They were able to see and buy the newest eyeglass frames, styles, and trends for 2023. Stop in today and check out what's new in the eyeglass frame world. Remember to take in your current prescription and let Crystal Vision fit you into a new look. Nobody has the style and fashion to choose from like Crystal Vision on 14th North or online at crystalvision.com. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business, and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally, without all the red tape, by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. I would expect both running backs at full speed. Alfred worked out this morning in a limited capacity with the trainers. He looks like he will be ready to go this week. Now, it, it is going to depend on him having a good week of work. Uh, but uh, all indications are we, we should have him back on the field. Coach Blake Anderson talking about Alfred Edwards, who the Aggies missed not having on the offensive line on Thursday. And there were a few times when running backs got a little dinged up, but they came in. They were able to finish the game. Yeah. They'll be ready to go. Tyler got dinged up, came back in. Briggs got dinged up, never came back. Yeah. I'm still mad about that. Yeah. I think I think Briggs should be the starting running back. And I'm not going to be shy about that. <laughs> He's been the better runner. Talk about the loyalty Coach Anderson Tucker is showing to Logan Bonner. It's almost been worse to Calvin Tyler, who's been decent at times. But whenever Briggs comes in, he's been electric. He's been great. Why is he not being rewarded for his great play? He's been the best running back in at least two of Utah State's games. Doesn't make sense. Uh, let's see, five four five one. I don't think we've effectively answered... Uh, is Lagai going to help or hurt our offense? Uh, I think he helps the offense stay on the field with his running ability. Uh, he's not as an efficient passer like Logan Bonner was, but he we haven't seen a lot of him in that role, and so he's got to spend more time working on that. He helps the run game in that there's there's some quick fixes that he can bring that otherwise would take a crazy amount of creativity from the coaches. Um, it can create some some numbers advantages for the offense in blocking the defense, which, again, that, that that's kind of the quick fix. And I went over that in my Monday cooldown a little bit. Um, so it, it helps the run game. The passing game, you know, I was adamant earlier this year that Lagaz not going to make the passing game any better. I said he would make it worse. I don't think he made it all that much worse against BYU. But part of the thing was they didn't seem to trust him, especially in the second half um, when they needed it more. 
you know, the passes they did have were super conservative. They didn't let him sling it. So... Not not a lot. I mean, he did throw downfield. He did press it downfield a bit. but Eventually, but that was late in the fourth quarter. I know that people were upset about the rate of passing to running. I wasn't as much upset as the rate of passing to running because it was similar to the first half when things were working. I was more upset about the fact that he didn't sling it again until the fourth quarter when they absolutely had to. Uh, quickly, six five four three texting in. This will be the pivotal game of the year as far as the Mountain West Championship. Yep, very well could be. Yeah, I mean this is a division opponent, and to get this one and changes a lot for Utah State's future. More on that coming up next hour. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. When the 49ers lost Trey Lance for the season, there's no doubt the team's offensive ceiling took a hit. Lance is unproven, but the second-year quarterback has elite traits that could have brought San Francisco's offense to new heights. But after Lance's Week 2 injury, the team was forced to turn back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo isn't nearly as dynamic as Lance, but he is a proven, successful quarterback, at least in Kyle Shanahan's system. The team has made it to the Super Bowl, even managed to reach the NFC title game last year. And when you look at the team's victory over the Rams last night, it's hard to say that type of success is out of reach this season. Jimmy G isn't going to air it out like Patrick Mahomes, but he is capable of limiting mistakes and getting the ball to his playmakers. And when you have an elite offensive play caller, you have great weapons and one of the more talented defenses in the NFL. Could be a major recipe for success once again for the 49ers. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.